everybody, welcome back to Pagan's Witchy Corner. My name is Pagan, and I am joined by a familiar friend, and that is Matthew Ash McKernan. Uh, Ash, welcome back to the show. And for those who yeah. had listened to the previous episode or who have, may have not listened to it, uh, Ash is the author of Weird Craft. You can find that episode, oh, it's a few episodes back, but if you go search it, you'll find it. It is there, give it a listen not required to listen to that one prior to this one but if you're interested in learning more about ash go give that one a listen but anywho ash welcome back to the show thank you thanks for having me it's lovely to be back as always i'm excited to chat i'm excited to chat too so today we we kind of decided that we were going to talk a little bit about our experiences um with Seder, and i believe that you've also heard it uh, pronounced as safe is that correct yes um, which is kind of like a shamanic witchcraft practice with Norse paganism. Um, I look at it as more of a Norse sh um, shamanism, but I know it has a lot of different aspects to a lot of different heathens. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're also going to talk about our kind of kindredship through Loki and our practices with Loki. So everybody sit back and join us for that fun conversation. Here we go. <laughs> so, um, Tell me a little bit about your experiences with uh, Seder and how you practice it. What are your kind of thoughts on it? Um, and do you, I know that some people say that it doesn't, I've heard that some people say that it doesn't really have a place in the modern world. So what are your thoughts on all that? That's interesting. Um, yeah, I haven't, I'm, I, I've never heard someone say that and I'm really curious what, what that means. I'm not sure what that means. I came across a, now, granted, I have to take this with a grain of salt, but I did come across a couple of TikTok videos and of course it's TikTok. So you have to take everything with a grain of salt, oh, but true. I did, I did come oh, across true. this video that's like, it doesn't have a place in the modern world. And I'm like, what does that mean? And they never explained it. So I'm just like, does it have a place? I'm pretty sure it does. I feel like it does. I mean, that's kind of like, I feel like your whole book has, a very large part of Seder that is kind of interlaced throughout it. So, um, you know, I feel like they, it does have a major place within the modern world, but you know, huh. I, I always like to hear everybody else's thoughts when somebody says something that's sure. controversial like that. Yeah. It's a very low key thing to say. It is right? a very low key thing to say, <laughs> <laughs> which is really funny because Loki is a huge part of my Seder practice as well as Freya, but, um, mm -hmm. Loki is very intricate intricately involved in my Seder practice, which is very interesting because a lot of people don't associate him with Seder. Um, mm. So yeah. Me too. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious to hear more of your experience with Loki and Seder, Seth, Seder. but um, yeah, I guess for me, um, yeah. What was the question? Like <laughs> the question how... was what um, kind of, what does your practice look like? And okay. also, do you believe that Seder has obviously a stance in the mm. modern world? Yeah. Well, I think it does personally. And um, I guess my my Seder takes like different forms. Um, and one of them is has been meditation and nature, be, spending lots and lots of time in nature. And um, I was doing forms of Utisetta before before I knew, you know, what Utisetta was and what Seder is or was. And 
and I'm still learning for sure what it what it is mm-hmm. and so I I'm at this point I'm like I'm hesitant to call myself like a, a safe practitioner though though sometimes that feels appropriate but I I guess um I like to just call it weird like weird working or weird <laughs> yeah weird wielding or or weird crafting kind of and I do think that Saith is a practice that works directly with weird and that's kind of what um a bit a bit more like close to the core of what it is for me and I've learned a lot of that through being in nature but just also just living because mm-hmm. I, I do believe nature is a cap you know capital N nature exists in the city as well as the you know the country and it's everything it's so so say this kind of like working with nature with that that capital N in a way the nature of things and um whether to kind of look in look into nature to see into the past present future um to to learn the best uh, or the most skillful avenues to approach problems mm-hmm. um which are based on kind of like natural laws natural laws like the way of weird or whatever it's like there there are skillful ways to do it it's not it's not always necessary and but loki I do I do feel like Loki is an integral part of weird the trickster is a, is a part of the universe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and on every level like microcosm to macrocosm. And so I yeah, I think Seth does a lot of work with with Loki and and for me also it was like psychotherapy like be, becoming a psychotherapist. Um I've and just my my magical path in general and my life path. I've I've you know Loki Loki has been around for a long time and and Loki and Seth has always been interwoven in a sense because of the depth kind of depth exploration is a very weird exploration and our minds are where kind of I don't know trance you know the trance yes. state of Seth and stuff it brings us into our mind and into our unconscious and into the the collective unconscious and that is the domain of Loki, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, psychotherapy is in there and, you know, different magical practices I've learned over the years. And I just love tricksters. I love like fools. And I realize that I'm mixing up the question of like, oh, no, you're you're totally fine. And it, it's one of those things that you, you have so many topics that are like, I, I'm going to obviously let you finish your, your train of thought. But um, there's so many topics that you brought up that I'm just like, yep, yep, yep. We're going to talk about yeah. all this. <laughs> But I think it's really interesting that the things that you were saying about um, Seder and how it's practiced um, for you, at least with, you know, obviously that connection to trance and obviously the connection to nature. And for me, it's a cross between somewhere between working within the webs of weird and also you know, that connection of the natural web and natural living. But at the same time, there's so much more mysticism behind it that I think that we kind of, it, it's hard to really describe when, you, you know, somebody's like, oh, what is Seder? And it's like, uh, in a nutshell, shamanism. Um, But with, if you want to go much deeper, you're like, you have to do the research because otherwise without doing the research, it's so difficult to explain. And I think that's also because I think some of the knowledge of Seder has also been lost throughout time 
and obviously through colonization and everything else. And so trying to find the pieces of what it's supposed to be, but also forging a new path of what it will be to, you know, transition into a future of modern society, because, you know, unlike what the TikTok person said, I do believe it has a place in modern society. And I think that it has a really righteous place with Loki. Um, obviously, you know, Lore tells us that Freya and Odin are huge parts of Sadar. And yes, absolutely they are. I'm not discounting them at all. But I do think that Loki has such a promising fact with it as well, because he is one of he, he's the agent of chaos. And when you look at nature, nature is nothing but chaotic. When you mm -hmm. look at how a plant grows from a seed to, you know, this beautiful blossoming thing, that is a chaotic act. Living is a chaotic act. And I think that having your connection with Loki as well is so integral to all of that because he helps navigate that chaos. Yes, he causes his own brand of chaos in addition to that, but he also helps navigate it. And for me, that's a huge aspect of my work with Loki is that he's not somebody that I would say that is dark and trickster-like. And when you say trickster, you know, a lot of people are just like, oh, I don't, I don't want that. And I don't, I don't want that juju yeah. in my life. But for me, he comes in and he manages the chaos of my life and helps me navigate it in a way that is manageable and understanding and for me to go okay i'm not doing well today my ms is not behaving and it's just one of those moments of you're in a chaotic storm let's find a different mm -hmm. avenue to manage this and he comes mm -hmm. in and he shows me those things and then there are other times where he is his true nature um which i have a funny story about loki that loki has taken over as my gardening deity um, which was Hecate, and Hecate and I just drifted apart, which was fine. It happens. Um, but he decided that he wanted to take over. That's cool. I'm cool with that. I am all about chaotic gardening. Let's do that. Day one of him being my uh, garden Patreon, he, uh, he, I walk outside to check all of my plants, and in my pepper bed is a snake sitting right there. I scream, the snake jumps about six inches in the, the air, terrified because I'm screaming, and it immediately buries itself into my bed, and I'm calling for my husband. My husband comes running out, and he had just woken up, so he wasn't dressed or anything, had no pants on or shoes, in his boxers, just for everyone listening. But, um, all natural. Comes, yes, not all natural. Um, and so he comes out and he's like, are you dead? And I was like, no, there was a snake. And he goes, what kind of snake? We have poisonous ones. And I said, it was a chicken snake. It's fine. It's not poisonous, but it still scared the crap out of me. Yeah. And I swear I could hear Loki just cackling in my brain like, hi, that was me. Yeah. And it was just such a chaotic moment, but it was one of those moments where I will look back at this and forever be like, well, that was a fun, memorable day. Let's not repeat that. <laughs> so cross I, my fingers. Yeah, cross, cross my fingers. I haven't seen the snake since. So I think the snake, I scared the snake to the point that it's like, this lady's nuts. I'm moving out. <laughs> Maybe um, give some extra offerings, you know, to Loki on the altar and keep that snake away. But you never know. <laughs> Loki may. Loki has a tendency to send me snakes. Yeah. 
he he has sent me three snakes in my house in the 12 years um the 12 years that i've lived here and i'm sorry 15 years i don't know why i said 12 15 years and he has sent me three and they've all been within the last like four years and i'm just Mm. like dude no can we not and then of course you know i tell him i'm like no more snakes and one of the snakes that came into my house had recently shed and i walk outside the next day and the snake skin is literally right next to the side of my house like perfectly Mm -hmm. formed like can still see every like scale the whole nine yards perfectly formed we never find them like that perfect and i'm just like oh well i'm gonna take this in a jar and if i need it it's now a witchcraft gift from loki i guess and it's like here you go here's your snake and i'm like thanks but did you have to send it into my house and it's like well would i have gone looking for the snake skin had the snake not come in my house though that's the question (laughs) so it's just one of those really chaotic moments that i'm very used to with loki after so many years of working with him but he also you know if i need him to help with seder work and help with that you know um trans work he can help me with some of the deepest trances that I've ever gone on. And I don't know if it's just tapping into his chaos or what, but literally if I ask Loki, I'm like, Hey, I need to do some trance work. Can you give me some aid? And just, it will go so deep. And then by the time I get out, I'm just like, Whoa, that was intense. I'm just picturing Loki turning into a salmon and swimming into the depths and you you riding the salmon downward (laughs) that would be very interesting yeah that would be very interesting he doesn't often do fish for me but i do get a lot of spiders snakes and wolves wolves are a big thing with him Mm -hmm. yeah so my my like my question or one 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 kind of loki kind of question would be what does the snake symbolize in your life the you know. snake for me is somewhere between constantly evolving because you know snakes are constantly shedding their skin and for me because with having a disease like multiple sclerosis you never know what to expect day to day like literally you could have a perfect day minimal pain minimal um symptoms where you feel as close to normal as one could say And then the next day, you may not be able to walk, you may not be able to see, you may not be able to do anything, everything may hurt. And those are kind of those days when I almost want to akin those to the snake snake shedding its skin because that is a very painful movement for a snake. It's something to where they can temporarily lose their eyesight, everything hurts, they don't want to move. Um, Sometimes it hurts for them to eat. And it's kind of in that regard that I see the snake when it goes through those moments that, yeah, each one of my flares suck. And it's sometimes it's not even so much the MS side of things. It's maybe whatever I'm going through life. Maybe I'm going through some struggle. Maybe I'm transitioning into a new aspect of my life with, as far as work goes or family life or transitioning in and out of a friend group or something like that. Whatever it may be that it, you know, is causing me some turmoil um, mm. is kind of one of those shedding skin moments. And I don't know what it's going to look like when I get done. Um, and obviously, you know, you kind of hope that you're going to come out of it unscathed, essentially. 
Um, mm-hmm. But at the end of it, you know, you come out and then you kind of look back at whatever your figurative skin was. And it's like, I didn't need that. I'm okay. I came out stronger, whatever it was on the other side. And, you know, obviously with, you know, going back to the MS thing, you know, it's not always coming out stronger on the other side. It's, I didn't let it win today. And so that's one of those kind of things where I I even, um, I don't like snakes at all. Like they freak me out, but I have snakes all over my altar for Loki. And I am drawn to snake artwork for Loki. And as soon as I see, you know, something that kind of speaks to me, it's just like that it has snake artwork or iconography on it. I'm just like, you'd like that. It, it's got a little bit of sparkle and it's got a little flare and it's got that snake in it that, you, you know, you identify with. And I also kind of associate the snake with a little bit of a trickster um, because some snakes, you don't really know their intentions. They may not be venomous, but you still may get bit. Um, or in my case, they may just be minding their own business and get scared to death by a woman screaming at them. <laughs> so, yeah. the serpent was the serpent in the Garden of Eden, right? It's like the, yeah, the liar, yeah, the deceiver, or or the the awakener. Right? It was the awake. I I you know kind of making the parallel from Loki to Lucifer, and you know the serpent in the Garden of Eden. I, as somebody who also comes from a Christian background, I mm. am somebody who does not see him as the deceiver. I see him as somebody who brings the truth in a form that may look deceitful. Because I think that the truth can look deceitful, but in the end, it's actually the truth that's, you know, the truth isn't yeah. always pretty. The, exactly. Yeah. The, I was thinking that earlier, that Loki is truth. Mm-hmm. And- it's whatever that truth is. It's just like as is. This is the reality of things, and um, I do think that Loki can be the de- the deceiver sometimes. I think and he can too. Yeah. In the sense, yeah, in the sense that we all have like we all have our own unconscious, and we all we we all can get in our own way of our of our own happiness and mm-hmm. well being. Like we all have our own inner trickster and. You know, the more the more we bring awareness to our unconscious and to like the these patterns and our you know do shadow work and all that stuff, the more light there is. You know, Lucifer there. You know, it's like, and and then and then Loki becomes the revealer through yeah. our awareness. Um, but when we are unaware, when we're unconscious, then Loki Loki will still do Loki's thing and will cause these problems and and what happens i think is that we we project that onto others we say oh it wasn't me it was them and they are why this happened because you know if if we don't see it within ourselves if we don't see the trickster within ourselves we will we will project it onto others and call it satan you know or or weird you know mm-hmm. or not not right or taboo or sometimes know. even hexing like some people think that yeah. they're being hexed or cursed or whatever um and it's a lot of times you just getting in your own way yeah so that is yeah that's loki that is loki, loki. um yeah. my kind of one of my questions for you is how does loki um work in your day-to-day life is he a, a bringer of uh organized chaos is he um 
you know, some people obviously fear Loki and they're, they're terrified of him because of the fact that he does bring chaos. He does bring some destruction. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, I've never felt fearful of him. So kind of what are your, what, what is Loki like for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm Loki. Um, he, she, they shapeshifter, you know, definitely shows up in lots of different ways. And in my life, including some ways that are terrifying. Um, and, but it's, but it's this kind of strange, like self-induced experience. Um, mm -hmm. Loki shows up as, for me, as my counterphobia. Oh, and, interesting. Yeah. Count, counterphobia, for those who've never heard that term, kind of sound, it is what, how it sounds. It's like, and the phobic person runs away from their fear and, and the counterphobic person runs towards their fear so that they you know and and in both both directions is an attempt to lower anxiety and you know to to be at peace and so the counterphobic person generally goes towards that which is that which the person fears or could be dangerous you know as a way to to find inner peace or to understand something or you know so that that's a big big way that loki has showed up over the years because it's definitely gotten me into some troubles before, um, like breaking bones, um, you know, doing, doing stunts, you know, or, you know, you fuck around, you find out. Kind of. <laughs> that's, that is Loki in a nutshell, fuck around and find out. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I've, I've been a fire tender for a long time and I just love and 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 I think fire as well as snake because they're very similar. Mm -hmm. uh, this this death rebirth kind of feeding transformation, um, fiery hot, you know, cataclysm, but also providing light, providing warmth, providing a, a circle for people to sit um, equally around, um, an opportunity to to worship together. You know, there's there's both the the positive negative light dark shadow you know illumination and yeah so loki shows up in in my work too and as a psychotherapist like i i just i feel so grateful to get the opportunity to witness loki in real time like every single session loki is showing up and 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 getting to see all of these ways that Loki shows up in people's lives mm -hmm. um, in both in both like the kind of destructive, but also in the creative ways, because Loki's never one or the other. It's like kind of it's both. And in this process of shining light on on that polarity of Loki is very transformative and very healing. And it's awesome to see that. And yeah, so I, I really appreciate Loki's fullness in that sense and and shape shifting. I mean, that's so weird. It's just mm -hmm. it's what you least expect, you know, more often than not. And I think Loki just whatever Loki is just gets weirder and weirder the more the it's more so true. Yeah. It's so true with Loki. Mm-hmm. On in like a W E I R D way and a W Y R D way too, because mm -hmm. think about Loki and as far as the the weird of the multiverse, the weird of 
you know, with Ragnarok and stuff. So I think Loki is probably one of the ones that he he's a deity that, in my opinion, kind of has like his hands in all the cookie jars, um, right. or on all the different threads of the webs out there in the universe. You know that yeah. he can be somewhere between you know brother father figure kind of you know patient and kind and loving and he can also be terrifying and um dark and almost you know that shadow in the back of your mind that's there um and then there's other times where he is the comedian and the class clown and wants to make you laugh and will will literally break shit like i have had podcasts go haywire with him i have had my computer just stop working i have had rituals just go completely awry <laughs> um, all sorts of things happen because it, it's kind of you know he ends up becoming the joker why so serious laugh a little have a good time right. you know enjoy yourself and even in moments with my coven and you know we'll be doing some kind of ritual and then for some reason we all get a fit of the giggles and we can't stop laughing we can't focus on ritual properly we can't do what we're supposed to be doing and so we have to completely you know shift gears and it's like okay let's try to do like some deity communication and find out why we can't stop and loki's just like hi it was me y'all were too serious get over yeah. yourselves <laughs> he, you, he's so funny ever, in those moments <laughs> yeah have you ever had that experience with your MS? Um, where you know he, where he ends up kind of influencing it to make me laugh. Um, yeah. I would say anybody with chronic illness has. You have to have some dark humor with it because if you don't, you're gonna cry all the time because you know you don't feel good. You're never, you never get well, and it, it's very. It's traumatizing in some ways because you never know. Um, I read a poem in one of my books, um, had forever ago. Um, but it it basically talked about MS basically being this darkness that consumes you, and that's essentially the equivalency of what MS is. It consumes parts of you that you may or may not get back. You don't know if it's gonna stay. You don't know if it's gonna retreat. Um, and you don't know what it's going to consume next. And so in those kind of moments, especially if you're having a flare, um, or even a relapse, you, sometimes you get a little dark and you just kind of laugh things off and, you know, to a normal person, they would probably just be like, are you good? Like, are you okay? And it's like, if I don't laugh about this, I will cry uncontrollably. <laughs> and I think in those moments, it's also like, it's okay to laugh. It's okay to find the humor in this and to, you know, do whatever it takes to kind of keep you smiling and to kind of work through it in your own way, you know. It's okay and, to cry. Yeah, it's okay to cry. And, you know, you being a, a psychotherapist, you probably have told this to your clients, but um, I, I did have a therapist back in the day that's like, laughter is a fantastic form of medicine. And yeah. so if you need to sit down and laugh at a movie or just laugh at your illness because you can't figure out why you can't feel your fingertips and you haven't felt them for four days and it's getting ridiculous and you can't hold anything and you're flinging your phone across the room every two minutes because you can't hold it and you're having tremors, you can't do anything in that moment except either cry or laugh about it. Mm. And at that point, it's I, I remember during one flare, I threw my phone, un, not on purpose, at my husband and hit him in the chin. 
with my phone. And he just kind of was like, I okay, <laughs> what did I do? And I was like, you didn't do it. It was the MS that did it. And we both laughed. And I think I laughed for probably a good five minutes. And I was, you know, crying with laughter. Um, but I'm just like, I'm sorry. Apparently I just have the dropsies today and I can't hold shit. And he's mm -hmm. like, it's okay. He's like, at least it wasn't a butcher knife. And we have to laugh yeah. about it because in those moments, that's all you can do. And I think that Loki is a big part of that. Um, especially in those moments where, yeah, I really do want to cry and I really would like to just be in my head and be sad about it. But after a while, that's not a healthy place to be. And Loki's like, nope, we're going to laugh at something ridiculous your body's about to do. And I don't know if he influences my body to do that or if it's the MS that's actually doing it, but it's just one of those moments. It's like, this is so stupid and ridiculous that my body is capable of, you know, doing this to me. And you laugh and it's such a cathartic moment. And when that happens, and I'm thankful for every one of those moments when that does. And then in the moments where I am stuck in my head, Loki kind of does this opposite. Instead of making me laugh, he just kind of is there. And it's like, you can just feel his presence. Hmm. And he's just kind of like, you can cry. Do you want to laugh? Do you want to, do you just want somebody to be here? And it is hard when you're chronically ill to be alone in your head. And hmm. so when he does those moments where he just kind of shows up, um, it's really kind of nice to be like, right, I'm not alone. I'm not facing this alone. And mm -hmm. um, sorry for everyone who's listening. Normally, I don't give this in depth about my MS, but I feel like it's important in this I moment. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I think that him being there and it just shows the multifaceted sides of Loki that I don't think he gets enough credit for. I think he he's constantly forever being, you know, kind of made into a little bit of a villain um where he's supposed to be this dark trickster that just causes chaos all the time and yeah. for me i think that there's a lot of times where he shows up just because i don't want to be alone and i need to work through with it, whatever i'm working through and then there's other times where i will be like i have to write this blog article or i have to write this review and the words will not come out of my fingertips um i'm drawing blanks and i'm like loki <laughs> you are great with words could you give me some words please and mm -hmm. in 10 minutes i have the entire post or article or whatever it is that i'm doing done and it's like what did i just write is it coherent <laughs> like did i actually <laughs> write this and it will be beautifully written and i'm like thank you i'll go yeah. give you some hot tamales on your altar here <laughs> so, oh, <yeah. laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's such a multifaceted deity and all deities are. And I think that whatever deity that you are working with, um, obviously I work with Loki a lot more with my Seder, but I also work with Freya. Um, and Freya, I'm still getting to know she, she's a newer addition. Um, I've only been working with her probably about six months to a year. Mm -hmm. And so I'm still getting to know her. Um, whereas Loki I've been working with, honestly, I don't know when Loki appeared in my life. It was like I woke up one day and I just, he had always been there and it's just like, oh, I've been working with Loki this whole time. And it was it was such a strange thing. And I, I always try to think back. I'm like, when did we start working? When did I make that conscious decision to, like, you know, work with you? And I, to this day, cannot remember that conscious decision at all. Like, I have worked with him forever. And I don't know. It's Maybe it was when you heard the name Loki. 
maybe i don't i really don't know i believe that he was there beforehand i do too for me it was like with the same with weird like i like before i heard of the word weird i was already working with weird and i didn't know it but then but then when i when i found that word it was like a big aha moment like holy crap oh shit so same with loki too actually that it's like yeah always been there but but there is that moment when you can when you have the name mm-hmm. it's a powerful moment when when you can name something like that it is yeah. a really powerful moment yeah yeah whether it's hermes or monkey or raven or coyote or spider or snake um, when you can yeah when you have a concept in words loki right mm-hmm. loki's the loki's the communication the 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 information you know we need Loki after this. I mean, this conversation is just like drilling that in my yes. mind, like in my heart so much more like, holy crap, we need Loki. We do need Loki. And I think that, you know, especially if you kind of look at the world in the state that it's in, it is very chaotic and it's chaotic on a negative aspect because I think that a lot of people are afraid of the chaos. And when you mm-hmm. fear the chaos, instead of learning how to basically take that natural alchemy of weird and transmute that chaos into something positive then i think we you know we'll see a lot of that negative and until we start to figure out how to do that we're going to continue to see that negative and we're going to continue to see chaotic acts and behaviors and things just happen and it's not that loki's to blame chaos happens in nature chaos happens naturally And I think also if there is a buildup of, um, or an imbalance of attitude and behavior of individuals, that yes, you can create a chaos that does kind of build up like a tornado and ends up kind of taking over and, you know, causing a lot more destruction. And things, you know, like tornadic weather also has to balance back out in order to go away. Whatever the catalyst agent is <laughs> has to balance back out. And I think in a lot of ways that we forget that chaotic deities like Loki um, or whoever you would like to that work, you know, you don't have to work with Loki. We're just talking about Loki because we both work with Loki. But I think working with chaotic deities is something that is so important because it can help us balance that chaotic order that is out of balance and teach Mm -hmm. us how to transmute the chaos and how to rebuild from it and there will be a lot of times that i can very well mention that without loki and without his influence and his teachable moments for me i would not have worked through some of the chaos in my own life i would have not Mm -hmm. been able to i would not have been able to go through that figurative shedding of whatever that was that was holding me back that was keeping me in that chaotic storm and then once i figured it out and was able to move through it and realize that actually wasn't as horrible as I was expecting it to be. <laughs> like, it felt horrible in the moment. But at the end of the time, afterwards, it was like, I actually did have the power to overcome that. And I just needed to be shown kind of a direction. And that's what Loki does a lot of times is he's just like, turn your head this way. There's the path. Walk that way. You'll be fine. <laughs> Instead of seeing the dark, scary forest in front of me or the storm or whatever analogy that you like to go through. But I think that um kind of embracing the chaos and learning how to work with it is 
such a valid skill that is so necessary in such a chaotic world. Yeah. And Loki teaches us how to do that. Yes. But like you're saying, by revealing revealing the truth, like revealing the the light and the dark, the the wounds and the process of healing, the the pain, the suffering, as well as the joy and laughter. And yeah, the more the more aware like you said something like we we need to figure out how to do this you know Mm -hmm. as like collective and i think there are a lot of people doing it and i think it's pretty to me it's some very basic in a sense or very simple and it kind of well it's very complex but very simple which is very loki and you know but it's very paradoxical but it's um, just having awareness yes more and more and more awareness more light more you know um, the light of consciousness, you know, the light of awareness that sees both sides and and sees that, um, oh my God, like my enemy is not my enemy. Mm-hmm. I am my enemy. Like I am projecting my own trickster onto another person and turning them into the devil and then fighting them and they're doing it to me and we're all doing it to each other. Like this fragmentation that's been happening, everybody's blaming everybody else and not shining the light of awareness within to see Mm -hmm. how we all create our own Ragnarok. We're all doing it. And of course, some are, some are more like quote unquote aware and, um, you know, trying to heal and, you know, trying to become more whole and understanding and empathic and loving. Um, it's, it's a battle though. It's like, it's, it's not easy to do that. It's not easy to bring awareness to things because, you you have to see a lot of shadowy stuff mm-hmm. uh, anyway it it's not easy because it implicates us in it it's like oh shit like i'm a part of it nobody wants to be the problem <laughs> yeah, but we all are we all are the problem though and i think that that was really well said the way that you put that that we all need to take some introspection within ourselves and you know really evaluate to make sure that we are not adding to the problem or being the problem. Um, Instead, we're actually helping to not only heal ourselves, but to also help fix the problem, whatever it may be. And I think that that's a realization that we desperately need right now in this world. And so well said, so well said. I wrote about it and we're good. (laughs) Yes, you did. And so um, now I, I believe that we spoke about this last time, but uh, for those who haven't listened to the other episode, do you have any new books on the horizon, new projects, classes, workshops? What's going on in your life? Actually, you know, um, I'm I'm doing a workshop at Starwood Festival, which is in Southeast Ohio. Um, that's that's the second week of July. It's a week long. How neat. Um, really, really amazing. I mean, just out of this world uh, festival in many ways. Um, and then the week after that, I'll be doing some workshops at this, at Sirius Rising, which okay. is, yeah, I've never been to Sirius Rising, but it's supposedly just like Starwood, but just in a different place. So, um, and then, you know, I hope to attend some some gatherings like Trothmoot um, and, or Trothmoot and, the Northeast thing. And maybe I'll apply to do a workshop in one of those, but um, I'm, I'm definitely going to show up and 
they had a lovely Loki ritual last summer at the Northeast thing that mm-hmm. I'm really excited. It's, it's a great community that that really welcomes Loki and Leah Svensson, obviously. I was just thinking about that. I was like, I wonder if Leah is involved in that. I want to say that she is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Such a good book. Such a good book. Uh, and for those who are listening, that if you haven't checked out Leah Svensson's book, um, that is Loki and Segan. Uh, it is available at everywhere. Um, there'll be a link in the description if you guys want to check that book out as well. Such a great book, especially if you want to know more about Loki and how to work with Loki. Um, and obviously one of Loki's partners. Um, but I would say his most devoted one, and that would be Segan, um, who also doesn't get enough love. <laughs> She's wonderful, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Segan Segan like holds within her a lot of those, like, what can we do? What can we do to, to I don't know, to heal, to get into a better place in relationship with each other in our world. Segan teaches a lot of that. She too. does, and she yeah. she is a somebody that is a problem solver. She is somebody that also wants to help heal, just like you were saying. Um, and that speaks true from her mythology um, and her relationship with Loki and saving him from some of his antics that he's done. Um, and the myths are obviously all beautiful and wonderful. Um, in Leah's book, obviously, she does give a more modern take to some of the uh, myths, which are hilarious and wonderful to read. So I highly recommend them. Um but yeah, Segan is uh one that I also work with her in conjunction with Loki because I kind of feel like her and Loki come as a set. Um mm-hmm. and she is a completely different energy from Loki <laughs> in like the best ways. She she's so loving and kind and um but she's also very her energy comes across as very soft spoken. Um whereas Loki is very loud and boisterous and um he has big energy. She has much smaller energy. Um, opposites attract. Op- yeah, the opposites attract. And so they, they complement each other so well. Um, but she she's just so wonderful, especially if you are trying to do some shadow work um, and it's uncomfortable for you. You, I often, during the dark shadow work that I really, you know, that I don't like to touch, that I don't want to do, that obviously needs to be done and needs to be worked through, um, she is one that will you know, kind of walk with me and, you know, be there and make sure that, you know, I'm doing okay, that I'm, you know, handling things okay. Whereas Loki sometimes will be like, I'm going to toss you in the deep in the pool. (laughs) (laughs) She will be there with the towel when I get out and I'm coughing, and you know, crying and being like, why were you so mean to me? And he's like, I wasn't mean. You had to go through it. I'm sorry. (laughs) She, she's just like, we could have, easter in it's okay (laughs) it's such a wonderful opposite energy and she's such a wonderful deity to work with as well so um but yeah for me they come as a a set but it she's just wonderful so (laughs) yep well said yeah um i'll mention too just um is that uh, well i'm curious about if you work with loki and segan does that mean do you also work with hell i do here yeah I, I work with Hell. Um, I don't work with any of the, like, uh, Fenrir or, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, Jorgmender. I don't work with them. Um, I'm not opposed to either of them, um, but they've never kind of reached out to me to be like, hey, you know, let's work together. Um, yeah. 
but I I think but Hell definitely Hell is wonderful to work with as well. She's um she's actually a really great healing deity. I use her a lot in like um shamanic healing work. Um she's fantastic for that. Um because she sees both sides. She sees life and death and she sees you know the the deadly part of whatever the problem is um or the darkness that has to be removed whatever that may be um and then the other side of her is also the the living side and it's you know what can be healed and what can be put back in to be fixed um to fix the problem so mm -hmm. she she's really fun to work with um she's also fun to work with when i do a lot of psychopomp work um and which is safe also yeah that is also part of that as well and so uh she teams up really well actually loki and segan and hell um team up very nicely with the morgan and anubis anubis is a new addition um yeah. and so they all team up very nicely together in my work which is really interesting because they're all so different as far as pantheons go but they're um they they do team up very nicely which is really cool that's a great thing is um, the shape-shifting aspect of loki that can that can allow us to i don't know explore the shape-shifting nature of divinity right mm -hmm. through through different pantheons and different cultures different times and spaces there's there are threads connecting them it's and... so cool i love all of it um yeah so yeah, the, it's just something that I, I'm so excited with when it comes to, you know, even any aspect of Seder and Seder to me is, you know, kind of bringing everything full circle mm. is one of those practices that I don't, I, I'm kind of like you, I don't really like to call myself a Seder practitioner, um, because at the same time you know that's what i do um just like i don't really like to call myself you know a shaman um because i do shamanic work but to mm -hmm. me it's almost unlike seder um the, the term shaman is kind of a cultural thing that i i don't feel that comfortable using but using that as a definition for seder is kind of an easier thing for me but it's interesting how seder is something that is so easy and comfortable and it just comes so naturally in a lot of my work that it's kind of like, you know, you were saying with um, Logie that it's like, it's always been there. It's always been a part of the practice. You just didn't know what it was until you had a name for it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Beautiful. It's, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how it was for you, but yeah, when I came across that, that the practice of seder it was like oh it felt like coming home yes like yes exactly exactly that it was so much that that it was like how did I'm not i crazy. go it's like i i it's like i want to practice this thing but i i feel like i get some ties from you know obviously i feel some of the connection to indigenous american kind of practices but it's like that's not for me because i'm not of that you know ethnicity um so that that's not for me but i feel kind of compelled to it so i understand it and it's like okay well some of the other shamanic work of you know like um eastern asia and stuff like that that kind of calls to me a little bit but it also doesn't fit and then you come across seder and it's like wait a minute <laughs> is this what i've been doing this whole time 
like that this is it this is the, the term and it's like yeah and so it, it's so interesting how it works and and Seder to me also is comparable to hedge witchcraft in my opinion um with like the psychopomp work and also the natural craft and everything else but then you add in some of those trans like shamanic abilities as well that um it just kind of comes all together and i think that if the you know norse mythology and the norse terminology had the term for hedge witch i think that satyr would be probably the closest akin to that um yeah. and that's kind of my opinion of that but um yeah. and anybody who's listening if you have more information that you feel like we're misinterpreting please share it because you know it's an ever-growing thing that we're always learning about and yeah. i feel like a lot of times that satyr is not talked about enough and not taught about enough either so if you have resources please share them because i would love to read them all of them as long mm -hmm. as they're not scary um inappropriate sources and if you want to know what that means that means the ones that are written by people who are who believe that norse mythology should only be a whites only practice because it's not so we don't like those kinds of sources. Yeah. Because I, I do feel like, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, I am a firm believer that Norse mythology is open to anyone and everyone. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, I'm glad that uh, it feels, I feel seen when you said, or I felt seen when you said that Weirdcraft kind of felt like Saith was kind of woven through it. Mm -hmm. because yeah that's that's how it felt um writing it like it felt like a like a it felt like it is it's kind of how i see Saith in a way um but of course there's way too many pages well i don't want to talk down my book i want to i want to recommend everybody read it <laughs> it's a long read and and but it but it kind of explores the um weird like weird consciousness this idea of weird consciousness and that's valerie wright's term that i heard and she she wrote uh, voluspa sather has weird consciousness really mm -hmm. really great interpretation of that but um anyway uh i don't know where i was going with all that i kind of lost it oh Loki you're you're totally okay um i think that you know kind of what um piggybacking off of what you were saying um I don't think that your book is a long read um, because, you know, I read it in a couple of days, um, but it I feel like your book is definitely the education source that is needed on weird craft because it breaks down that consciousness and really dips into the toes of science as well, obviously. Um, so it, you know, interconnects, I think, the mm -hmm. fact, the factualness of science with the the weird side of weird craft um the you know the spoopy side that we can't really you know put our finger on that you know it's like uh, oh that's yes, just an experience and i can't you know scientifically back that up but in the same uh time i feel that like your book does scientifically back up a lot of those experiences cool. so it is a wonderful wonderful read for everybody who is listening um, and that is Weird Craft. It is available from Llewellyn Publishing. It is a fantastic read. Um, and I would say that if you are going to read it, 
this would be my advice because I read it in about a three-day sitting. If I had to go back and do it again, I would treat it like a textbook course. And I would do a little bit at a time and kind of do the work to go with it. Um, mm. And that's how I would read it. And that's how I recommend it. Uh, it is a fantastic read. It has so much great knowledge in it. But if you do try to read it all in one sitting, you might melt your brain just a little bit because there's so much information that is so valuable to the practice of weirdcraft. Every aspect in the book is valuable. Um, but I say work through it slowly. That's my my advice. That's good advice. And it, it inspires me to think about creating like a, a group, like a group. You should. I think you should do like a group with it in like a class or something like that with it. That would be really interesting to kind of slowly break down and do the, the practices and, um, you know, help people really get in touch with their weird, <laughs> yeah. which would be super cool. Yeah. Well, Ash, we have talked for much longer than we both anticipated doing it. And this has been absolutely yes. fantastic. Um, <laughs> you will have to come back by and we'll have to do it again, obviously. And uh, anybody who is listening, please check out Ash's book. Again, that is Weird Craft. It is available everywhere. If you are unable to afford a copy, please check your local library. They may or may not have a copy if they don't they can request a copy if they still cannot request a copy they will purchase a copy so support your local libraries and read the book it's fantastic and ash this has been wonderful and i'm so happy that we got to do this thank you yeah thank you so much for having me on again and it was wonderful i'm gonna be buzzing the rest of the i know evening. right <laughs> all right everybody who's listening thank you so much for being here and i will see you all next time bye everyone if you're a lover of Pig and Switchy Corner, then prepare for some really exciting news. I have started a new podcast, Pagan's Reading Nook. Don't worry, I'm still going to be creating all the Pagan Switchy Corner content that you all love. But as you all know, I have a huge passion and love of books, which has led me to create this new show. On Pagan's Reading Nook, I will be discussing the books that I'm reading, showcasing brand new titles, and sitting down with some amazing authors to talk about the worlds and the characters they've created. I will also be discussing new releases, fan favorites, and classic tales that have enchanted us throughout time. So, if you are a fan of this show, make sure you head over there and subscribe, and grab your favorite beverage, and join me as we dive into harrowing tales, seductive romances, and thrilling adventures in the fiction world. 